because it's impossible. I mean, what's the point in doing a podcast where we can't get excited? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And welcome to season two, episode three of the End Podcast. You can find us on all the usual outlets on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Instagram, on Twitter. And what am I missing out here? Is that everything? I think that YouTube. We're on YouTube. We're on YouTube. There we go. The full set. I am Matt, formerly known as Marvel Spank. You will find me absolutely nowhere on social media anymore. And this is absolutely glorious to say. Tim's having a week off. It's Brian! Pew, 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 pew! You know, you know, you know what? He's the man that's formerly known as, but I am especially known to Yarmouth foes who don't know me as Brian Boogie Down Brown. Find me on all platforms as Boogie Down brown on twitter as boogie down which is b-o-zero-g-i-d-e-d-o-w-n everywhere else at the brown and that's how we get down <laughs> i've missed that so much and welcome home <laughs> welcome home how have you good been to be here. good to be here good to be here good to be here yeah man it's been um you're actually um you can see i put shelves up behind me now so they look nice you know yeah, look, i've got those things that were in my bedroom you know, where the missus is going, nye, nye, nye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting them in here now. So, yes. Oh, that's good. But is that original? Well, obviously not original art, because who's got the money for that? <laughs> that is an original. It's one of one. Really? It's, it's my son did a portrait of me. I can't yeah. see it. Yeah. I'll, I'll but, show but you. But it looks but... splendid. It looks yeah, splendid. I'm sure, I'll look I'll forward to that. Is. Brian, the usual format, we'll do stories that have been in the news in the last seven days, but it's been slim pickings, mm. but I'm sure we'll be able to cope and be as smooth and charming as ever, especially with your glorious presence. Thank and you. then we're going to get into a little bit of a creative focus, and this time round, it's going to be Chip Zdarsky. Zdarsky. A little thing about Chip Zdarsky before we go into it. That's not his real name, no. you know. No, that's not his real name. And I'm thinking, is he Polish? Is he no, man, um, it completely what? made up. I looked into it because, you know, when C.B. Sobolski was doing that, or what was it, Akira, whatever it was, and he was right. going, oh my God, cultural appropriation. Yeah. I was thinking, I posted like, Chip Zdarsky must be shit in his pants at this minute in time, because he's You're got right. a lot more to lose. Because <laughs> wow. the guy in charge ain't going to fire himself, is he? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like someone asking me to fire me from this podcast. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, not his real name. And then we'll just go on to a little what we've been reading, what we've been watching, what we've been feeling good about. So, mm-hmm. first up, Brian, the rumour mill's been going, mm. as it always does with the MCU. There's, there's a whole parasitic industry of YouTube and podcasts built upon it and, and more power to them for creating wealth from nothing. That's what I say. Well, hopefully one day we'll be in a position where we've created wealth out of nothing. But yeah. it all smacks of magic beans to me. <laughs> Indeed. So, there have been various reports on nerdery YouTube that either Spider-Man's going to be a part of Venom 2 or 3 or Venom is going to be a part of the ongoing Spider-Man 
IP mm. when it reverts to Sony. First of all, I'd like to know, not that we have any hardcore proof at this moment in time, yeah. but how would you feel about it? Do you think these two things need to cross over? Is it inevitability or is this just bogdadash and poppycock? Like, first and foremost, Sony just needs to step up their CGI. Like, I'm not excited about any of it. None of it looks like anything to me. I mean, Carnage looks like Carnage, but then if you don't know anything about the character and you look at you just these squirmy, splodgy things jumping around the screen and, and stuff. Yeah. And, and what gives it any gravitas is its connection to Spider-Man. Yeah, the box office talking, but... That first Venom film, like, let's not make any mistakes. Box office yeah. is box office. Yeah. But Venom is its own bankable IP. Like, mm -hmm. if we can get Ant-Man making 700 million, then we shouldn't be shocked that something the size yeah. of Venom can make 700 million. Yeah. I think it's contextualized by people's negativity, and that's why it's celebrated. But mm. Venom, Venom's a big deal, especially at the moment, because, you know, like, there's a seminal run coming to an end with Donny Kay. It's mm. in the zeitgeist once again. I think you're right, though, with the CGI. And one of the things that stood out to me was when you can't afford CGI, you always do it at night time. Yeah. Because, it's, because then you don't have to worry about reflections and shadows yeah. and everything like that. And Venom did that very well. And the fights are inside rooms and buildings. And yeah, like, yeah, Okay, yeah. great. You know, let's give it another slant. Could be the antithesis of everything that Spider-Man is, which is day glow yeah. bright in the daytime. And Venom is going to eat you, bite your head off, and it's going to be at night, and he's going to say some swear words and shit. That's so it could be, like, just totally, like, yo, this is not that. You make a very good point, actually, something that I hadn't thought about, that that is one of the big benefits of that Venom and Spider-Man being, mm -hmm. whether it's produced by Marvel or Marvel Studios or not, is that disconnection to Disney. It makes it a lot easier to cross over two properties with very different identities. And I think those, that difference in identity is actually what makes the juxtaposition between Spider-Man and Venom work. One's sort of like a relentless dark force and one's, and one's uh, unrelenting force for good. And that's shown in the cinematic styles of both the films. So if they were to cross them over, there's a very good dichotomy visually that already exists because of the tonal differences of both the films and the way that they are shot. Did you hear there was a standing ovation for it in the uh, in the test screenings? No, no. Three. Minutes, I mean, there, there's generally. I mean, I don't get into it like that, but across my feeds, it's generally just good vibes about this film. Yeah. And I mean, I love Woody, and then yeah. there's the pantheon of symbiotes that are gonna probably show up scream and the likelihood of spider-man let me not say tom being in it but spider-man <laughs> is because this nice is caveating. yeah this is tom's last contracted spider-man now that doesn't mean he's not going to be like rdj cropping up all over the shop definitely going to be a multiverse of madness he says yeah, yeah, yeah. um so he could definitely crop up in, in venom he's young enough to he looks and, young and, enough he yeah, looks well, yeah, young enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. He's got the look. But, you know, how old is RDJ? Like, he's, he, I'm sure he gets to a point where you just get, like, the money's good, the life is good. But... Have you noticed, though, the amount of drip to the waist time that RDJ did in the films? Like, there was a point where he went, like, I don't have to wear the uniform, uh, the out, the costume. Like, I imagine the first couple of times it's rad yeah. as fuck. But then, like, yeah. with um, Olivia Munn, when she was having to get full-body, naked vassalism, yeah. which, which is some behind-the-scenes footage I'd like to fucking be privy <laughs> to. But, like, full Vaseline to squeeze into a skin-tight suit. 
at least this is kind of like you're being built up to be a robot, not just a sexy woman in a suit. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Even, yeah. even then, he, this is the funny thing, right? RDJ said that I don't want to have to wear that costume anymore. Yeah. So they were CGI in his costume prior to, to, to Karen Gillan having to shave her head. Oh, <laughs> there no. must have been a point where she was going, you made me shave my fucking head, but yet you can oh, make a no. whole robot for Robert. Oh, no. <laughs> That's yeah. But I think he was exec producing by that time, though. No? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. so he, uh, he's he got money galore. So you're not even going to say nothing. You'll be like, I'm glad to be in this film. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, like, that was the first point when I realised with Karen Gillan that how much, uh, to use a, a phrase that you coined, gravitas that mm. she had in America. And it's the same with yeah. like Matt Smith. Like, I didn't realise that Doctor Who had was so much mm. um, profile over there that if you yeah. were... David Tennant now is he's like almost A list, well, maybe B list because he's not Brad yeah, yeah, Pitt yeah. or like Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, but, but like he's people. He's up there people, when you, when people see him, yeah, they sit yeah, up. Yeah. Probably like Idris Elba levels. You know what I mean? Mm. But yeah, I expect to see see Tom. But at this stage, it can stand alone because there's so much amazing stuff that's happening with stage four. Venom fortunately doesn't need Spider Man now. You know, a lot of people are just so gassed about Carnage. I think picking up on another thing that you said with all the different symbiotes, I think that Johnny Johnny Joe Public will get very tired if it follows the comics path of progression whereby there's an undefeatable symbiote that then that, <laughs> that then gets defeated, but then there's an offspring or a blend of that and something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that then yeah. becomes more unstoppable, ultimately, yeah. ultimately stoppable. My exclusive reading history with Carnage was the mm. Jerry Conway 2015 run, and it is so good. Mm-hmm. I still think to this day it's the best Marvel horror I've, I've read. He was paired with a guy called Sam Perkins that I think did Colours and, and Inks, which is always a thing for me because then you've got complete creative control. He created this like claustrophobia of being yeah. in the middle of nowhere. You can be claustrophobic from small spaces, but then if you can't escape the biggest space ever, if it just goes on forever, there's that, still that sort of impending trapped feeling. It's so, so good. It is so good. But there was a point maybe three quarters of the way through where I can't remember what the the new symbiote that was the most deadliest was called. Right. But at that point, I just went, oh, for fuck's sake. You could have just cut cut this whole thing out and, yeah. and it would have been a better story for it. It was like a 12 issue maybe. And if this was 10, it would have been absolutely perfect. So I actually think that Venom to, to last, it needs Spider-Man and it needs it quickly because you can't just keep doing... What was the guy called in the first one? Like Strife or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, Strife. something, what was it called? something, I don't know. Exactly, but, yeah. and, that, and that's the point. For people that aren't into Venom, it's just another symbiote. And once you've gone to Carnage, everything else is just, do you know what I mean? I'm looking for it now, I want to add it to this, this series to my, um, to my reading list so I can say well. <laughs> if, that's, if that's kicking it as one of the best... Uh, I, it's so so good, so so good. I've not read any, any, any real sort of carnage previously or since, but it yeah. was so good. I mean, I've got the omnibus upstairs, but I've just fallen out of love with omnibuses. <laughs> it's just too much, man. Like variety is the spice of life. Why would you want to spend like twenty days reading the same thing? It's, that's the thing, and and then you dip in and dip out, mm-hmm. and then you just don't dip back in again. 
Yeah, that's why I'm on like my color coded rain from rainbow um, red all the way back down to purple is currently on dark blue. Like I've run out of bookmarks. I've almost done the same, the full circle. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, I need to, I've almost finished the Invincible Compendium one. I've got New Mutants Volume 2 Epic Collection. And to be honest, the, um, the Brubaker Cap, I've, I know it's heresy, but it was just, I found it like, it was. See, the thing is, but see, that's just... the thing. Some stories, when you go back, there's been so many things. Because that's like, yeah, that was yeah, a, yeah. That set, a, set a precedent at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's been better stories since. Yeah. When you go back to the precedent, you're like, hmm. It, a bit it, drab. It's turgid. It is so heavy. It's yeah. so heavy and dark. And I can imagine if you're like, if at the time you've gone from Stars and, stars and Stripes punching nazis i know that's like well in the past but like then going back sudden, you've got like this dark and brooding like everything the con like it's been set in the dcu <laughs> <laughs> and every, yeah and it's all about emotions and that sort of shit i was like oh i i, I can't say i wouldn't say i'm not enjoying it but i'd just like to actually enjoy it <laughs> it's, it can't be as hard as alan moore when we did that come on then. I'll, I'll be honest with you dude I, it I've only got about three or four issues in. It's like oh. Alan Moore wrote it. <laughs> it wow. really is. Ex- except that you don't get a sense of impending genius. What was the one that we did? V for Vendetta? Yeah. Like, you, you persevered, but then there yeah. was a point. Well, I can remember texting you like on the third act or something going, yeah. shit, this guy's a genius, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. wow, 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 wow. Wow, yeah. wow, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I love Brew Baker's stuff. Oh, he's um, he's one of the goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I was like that with um, Elephant Men. I was just like, wow, this is really bloody good. It's blending so many aspects of now and future and possible futures and stuff. Very dystopian, but very yeah. possible. Really getting into it. And I just started buying hardbacks omnibuses and just stacking them on my shelf yeah, yeah, and they're yeah, just yeah. there they just look pretty now and i haven't even finished the second volume well, like, i've been doing running through transmetropolitan for about three or four years and mm. because i know it's so good i have four of them left and i read probably one every six months or every four months yeah. I yeah, know it's that good. It's always like a tonic. It's an intervention for whatever I'm reading. Yeah, and because I've done, I mean, I've read so much Zdarsky in the last couple of weeks. For, for <laughs> that today, I thought, you know what? Reading another volume of anything isn't going to change the podcast. I'm going to go out, yeah, have a nice breakfast, yeah. Um, I go to this place called uh, Geno's that's up the road, and it's um, set like in the middle of a park. They relocated the Everard nice. Brewery. But they did nice. it so it has like a restaurant and all that. And they like redeveloped the whole area into nice sort of parkland. Yeah. Parkland is opposed to like being industrial waste. So you sit outside, add a muffin, add a toasty, add a coffee. Easy. And then um, I sat there with Transmetropolitan. Yeah. And <laughs> it's a funny thing. I was sat there in the first, the first issue, fine. I'm surrounded by old age pensioners and young families taking advantage of Saturday morning. And I'm basically turned to volu- the, the second issue in like volume nine or whatever it was. Yeah. And it's basically illustrated pornography. <laughs> <laughs> so like I'm trying to read it with like opening it about three inches. But yeah, but then you just look sus. You look even yeah, exactly. more you sus. Look, and then what you forget though, you're doing that 
sat next to a glazed facade of the people that are sitting in the table next oh. to the window. <laughs> just like, yeah, so Right, so anyway, Brian, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> news topic number two that we're going to talk about. Now, uh, I this is why I left Twitter, because the problem with Shang-Chi, it's not being assessed by any level of numerical meritocracy. The whole thing has become politicised. I said previously, the farewell wasn't received well in China. Mulan? Yeah, Mulan. That's exactly right. Because it trivialised their culture and it was basically done by an American studio with American actors, despite them being American-Asian, they didn't understand the the intimate details and they felt that they were being misrepresented in both Mm. cases. Eternals won't be shown there because of, is it Chloe Zhao? Yeah. Because of her comments on China and because Simu Liu comments previously. China's not the be-all and end-all because only 30% mm-hmm. of the money comes back to American studios anyway. Yeah. But 30% is better than nothing, right? <laughs> it, it, it's sort of come to a point whereby you can't criticise, and this is, this is fucking white people's fault. This isn't American, Asians, any other... This is white people problem. The white people have become so hypersensitive that they are being proactively almost discriminatory to the white people that you can't I criticise Simu Liu saying I don't like him I don't like his attitude and I don't think his performance was that good because I don't all of a sudden that was hijacked by someone that I actually thought I got on with previously that was saying that I was a comic exactly he said that I was supporting comic skate and that I was by proxy therefore a racist I'm thinking to myself that this is a white guy against a white guy there's enough hate in the world. There's Why enough discrimination. Crime. There is Don't enough discrimination. <laughs> exactly. <man. laughs> it's the new racism, mate. It's, <laughs> it's, it's white lives don't matter to white lives. That's what it is. And I'm just... But the problem is, the problem is though, Brian, while we have these people that are they're only confirming their own virtue by manufacturing hate that isn't actually there. I'm big enough to take it. I just thought, you know what? Twitter's not for me anymore. And I jumped off. What that bloke is doing, he thinks that by manufacturing hate for me is by proxy reducing the amount of hate in the world. If he can't see, or if they can't see the hypocrisy in that, it's just bizarre that you don't lessen hate by projecting hate. The second thing is, he's wasting time creating a situation to make his virtue increase. He would be better off actually focusing his attention on the things that actually matter. And that's the thing that bothers me. There's a cultural thing online whereby it's who can point the finger first wins. And that isn't helping any causes. It's ignoring them. And, and I just can't be a fucking a part of a, a platform that does that. And I've tried very hard to keep out of the whole politics thing. Because Twitter doesn't need my opinion. Twitter doesn't need that guy's opinion. Mm. We're, we're not qualified to speak on most of these issues, but everybody thinks because they've got a, a voice that it's... But that's Twitter all over. That is Twitter, man. That, you know, people... You know, I, I'll never forget, I was talking about something, you know, really uh, on, on my legit Twitter, I get really kind of I'm a bit activist and, and a bit outspoken. And these people jumped in my tweets and just trying to have a go. And I was... I was like Bruce Lee in Mr. Fury, just like <laughs> dealing with these guys one, but just knocking them out. One punch, one kill. No fucking about Like, I don't know you. 
you're not having a real life discussions about things that affect real people with yeah, yeah. some random avatar. Like, get off my timeline. Next day, I woke up and I thought to myself, "Why are you on Twitter in mm. the first instance?" Well, maybe it was for community at one point, but mm-hmm. done that twice. <laughs> And uh, it exhausted me on both fucking occasions mm-hmm. because you think that a bunch of grown men in their 30s and 40s could self-moderate and not fall out with each other and not <laughs> fucking say things behind each other's back. And oh, by yeah. the way, if, you, if, you, if you're fucking in inverted commas community or a Twitter chat and you're not bad-mouthing people and you've not heard of anyone bad-mouthing you, they're doing it to you. That's <laughs> how it works. That's how it works. Like I said, you think people can self-moderate. I've done it twice now, and all it did was exhaust me. So the community aspects of it out. So that just means that I'm being unsocial on social media. I'm just posting, and I'm not even entertaining other people. And let's be honest, Brian. Who's waiting for my review of Invaders Volume 2? Nobody is. It took me, well, as you know, a good few years now. I've only just started up a like page on on Facebook and someone jumped in my comments was just like oh my god thank you for putting me onto this I would never have heard of it otherwise yeah, yeah. that is that's it that's taken what three four years to get to that point where <laughs> this guy has gone oh my god and that was for spider shadow by the way like, if yeah, you haven't yeah. started it get on it that's what it's about like those there are those people out there that yeah. like hmm, I wonder where should I start and then you go hey this is some good shit or don't buy that. And they go, oh, you know what? I might pay attention to you. You seem to know what you're saying. And, you know, I didn't even get into conversation. So it's just that. And at that level, it works. I, I, I love you. I love you. And, and, you, and, you, and you. And you're still on the pro, a podcast for a reason. <laughs> but you've not tried managing 10 people. And... <laughs> Yo, listen, man. You've done some things the way that you did. But then I, I, I couldn't have done any of it. Everyone's a critic. So, you know, I give what I can and in the next I just say, you know what, shut up. And final topic of the week. I feel like we're doing good, mate. We're padding this out to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like we're, give, we're giving the subjects five minutes and then we're just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your job's going to be easy on the editing floor. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, 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 I'll tell you what. <laughs> That's going. That's oh, going. That's going. <laughs> so Mo- Margot. Margot, Robbie, she's going to be in there. How much? She's there. Uh, so there's been reports that she's she's had enough of Harley Quinn. She's done. She's sowed her oats there. So now there's some rumours based on some um, legitimate quotes and some piecing together. But I'm not too bothered about that, Brian. I ain't bothered at all, mate. What I want to <laughs> know is if she were to come across to the MCU, obviously it'd be quite a good thing, wouldn't it? Mm. I think, first of all. But second of all, specifically, the rumours are that she'd like to play a mutant. So which character and what IP would you Jesus like to see a proper... Christ. She, she made Harley Quinn her, her own, yeah. but I, as much as I love, what's her name, who played Magic? Oh, um, Anna Taylor-Joy. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. I reckon she could ruin it, like ruin Magic in a good way, ruin it. If she was stoic and Russian and couldn't give a fuck, that would be so opposite to what or opposite even to what she did with Harley Quinn, and it would yeah. give her a bit more range. Oh, the Suicide Squad was not a good film. It was actually the reason why I started making, I started a YouTube channel. Was I was that angry about the Suicide <laughs> Squad? That's why I started my first YouTube. Channel. 
anyone would say to me, have you seen it? And then there'd be this 20-minute diatribe of thematically, canonically, characteristically, why yeah. it was the worst thing I'd ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> but it brought Harley Quinn to the fore. And what I'd like mm. her to do is give a lesser-known Marvel character or specifically an X-Men character the same mm. candor. I, I think it'd be a waste to maybe make her... I mean, she'd be a great Invisible Woman. She'd be a great Emma oh, Frost. Yeah. But, I think she's but, too young for Emma Frost, though. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Emma Frost is milf du jour, so... Mm. <laughs> not hearing anything of her. Yo, listen. She's the white queen. You know what happens in the Hellfire Club, yeah? So, listen, it ain't gonna be... <laughs> running that. You know, someone like Boom Boom... Or maybe like yeah! armor. Oh my gosh, say no more. I think she would be a sick boom boom. Yeah, she'd she'd kill it as boom. But who else? Who else is? There? I'm thinking blonde, and they don't need to be blonde. Did you know, I was just having that same thought process. Yeah. What about what about an M, yeah. a Monet? Yeah. Yeah. Something a little bit more dark and brooding, because like she's mm. got the chops, man. Like, have yeah. you seen Itania? Oh, tell me about it, bro. So she's good. Serious. And let's let's just not. Let's talk about the physicality of what she does. She does her own shit. She, yeah, what yeah. she did in I, Tonya was like, what? She trained. She that... got into the mindset, the body, the whole discipline of, you know, Was that the first film that she produced? I can't remember if it was that or something else. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. she she was a producer for I, Tonya. I think it was yeah the first yeah. production yeah. credits. I think yeah. though that all that all that happens with the big IPs is that when a an actor becomes that notorious, they're not hiring and firing um, technical crew like a producer would do. Mm. They just have they're just taking agency over their character and yeah. have ability to make script recommendations and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think with Itonia, she was in at the ground level and that was something that she was trying to get produced. Right. Which makes sense as a producer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh I've just had it. Go. This is the character. We're talking mutants. Yep. D-O-M to the I-N-O. Domino. That'd be good, mate. Yeah. That would be good. With the luck powers and shit. Oh, my God. And, and, and the acrobatics <laughs> and the gunplay. And do finish him. Like, there was no way that they were going to make Zazie Beats porcelain white because can you imagine the backlash? Yeah. And let's yeah. be fair, Zazie Beats fucking love her. She's been great. Yeah, she slayed it, man. Scene. I loved what she did. That wasn't Domino, though. That was just nah. a character. Yeah. That was just it a could have been anyone. That was just you know, a great character yeah. that was not Domino that had yeah. the moniker Domino. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, Margot Robbie would slay yeah. Domino. Mash it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> Mash it and, up. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and the, 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 you know, in a recent, um, in Domino's recent mini, going to a, a history, oh, and really? it's dark. Yeah, it's dark. And Margot could pull that off by the experimentation and the, the, what they do to her. And even if they go into modern day Krakoa, what they did to her was dark as well. Really? Um, if I'm you remember, uh, yeah, you might, you may have read it in X-Force. I've read it. I've only, oh shit. Yes. Yeah, yes. Dude. That was dark. Dude. That yes. Was, I was just that, like, fuck. That was, that was like one of the genuine moments whereby 
a comic has shocked me because yeah. anything that's drawn on a page, there's no limits to it. Yeah. But when it's so, I, as you said, like, what other word is it than dark? Yeah. Visceral, I was just like, no that's, way. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. exactly, like, visceral, that's the word. Yeah. Like The fact that you know who she is, you know her powers. Come on, how long do you get out of it? Come on, just, you know, do your yes. luck thing. Come on, get... Yes, yes. But what happened to wearing X-Force? That could be me. What would you do? The whole thing about loving your protagonist yep. is that you put yourself in that situation or you yes. kind of try and think your way out yep. and there was just none for what happened to her. Good stuff. Love it. So, yeah. Okay. So, we're with Margot. Yeah. We got far too far into Dominic. But, yeah. The, yeah. She'd be a, so, Zadarsky, uh, mate. What do you reckon? What do you think to Zadarsky? Is he the second coming or is he a little bit too big for his boots? What, what so are you saying? Zadarsky kind of like the guy, a funny guy. He's like a guy that you actually want to talk to, that you could talk to, I should say, and, and riff with. I don't know if that counts for anything. But when he puts that, on the page it could be one of two things it could be like one dimensional and you don't really have much scope to draw from anything else but the chip that you see is a is a mask is a face is a face that he wears 100% and he's got a whole script for who he is and that's so way glad that you said that translate that into his character so that's really quite interesting I'm so glad you started with that, Brian, because I the word that I was going to start with is duplicity. Really? I don't think there's a duplicity in the man. It almost a taciturn seriousness to him when you sit, mm. when you hear him on podcasts, when you hear him on live interviews and things like that. Mm. But then there's the the trivial, jokey nature of him yeah. that comes across when he has more, when he's doing his newsletters, when he's on social yeah. media and things like that. Yeah. And I think that duplicity is one of the key elements in how he writes. It my introduction was Star-Lord. And that was before I even knew what Zadarsky was. I was just... Yeah. <laughs> I was dreading... It was when the Guardians of the Galaxy were grounded on Earth. Mm. And they were, I said, maybe 2016, 17. And to get their ship fixed, they all had to adapt to Earth. Now, Gamora got pulled into the Civil War II event. Right. Is the worst thing I've ever read, I think. We don't talk about that. Just we, Let's not. He, he will not be named. You fucking cunt. <laughs> but you had these grounded minis for Rocket Raccoon, for Star-Lord, and whoever else. And the Star-Lord one was fantastic because I didn't realise at the time, but there's a writing structure that's in Daredevil, that's in Stillwater, that's in... In, in Invaders? Invaders, Probably in Spider-Man Life Stories. Spider-Man Life Stories. He plays to character in the first part, and mm. then he becomes a deeply serious person. When I say plays a character, and this is it's not me negging him, beginning of Stillwater, he identifies every lost in that wrong turn trope. We're a million miles from nowhere, our phones don't work, and mm. the car breaks down. And then a police officer comes up to the car, and it and plays to the tropes before dissembling them and it's almost in a sardonic way whereby it's looking at us and going and the previous writers and saying gotcha it's same with daredevil in the first two volumes i was fuck's sake mate just get on with it all you're doing is identifying the shortfallings of every other writer that Mm. had to go with the tropes of what daredevil is yeah first of all he brutalizes the lowest level of criminals the pain and hurt that he causes on them is far in excess of anything yeah. that they cause to anybody else. But he leads with his fists every time. The guy's a fucking psychopath. 
<laughs> and also, he is not blind. He sees mm. everything. In Charles Saul's run, when he really focuses, he sees the whole of Manhattan. Yeah. At no point can he not see. He just sees differently. Yeah. So the whole blind thing is just a construct to invite the reader in yeah. back in the day. So what Chip Zdarsky did in the first two volumes, and he overplayed it to me, was he spent too long pointing out the frailties of the character and the previous writers and the previous archetypes of Daredevil. Deconstructed him, and I could see the innate narrative point because then volume and three, take and four, him on the narrative on the hero's journey from that point there. Exactly, but I think that it's even with like Spider-Man life stories, the whole idea of that came from not that I'm putting words in his mouth, but the back catalogue of Spider-Man wouldn't work. This mm. is how it actually would work. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and yeah. it was as painful, even though you knew what it was after the first couple of issues and even in trade paperback, you're like, okay, this is exactly how hurtful and painful being Spider-Man actually would be. Mm. And this is how much it would hurt everybody. Almost like his tour de force of the Chip Zdarsky method. It was yeah. deconstructing all the flaws in what Spider-Man was and yeah. how it had been written in previous creators without having the payoff. <laughs> you see, with that is why I love Howard the Duck because, oh, his, his Howard the Duck, let me be clear, because Howard the Duck is like, this motherfucker don't do nothing. He hasn't got no special powers or nothing. So the intro to every issue says that he used, is the only person with common sense in the world gone mad. And essentially... <laughs> It's just Chip having carte blanche to diss and dismiss the whole MU. Spider-Man's in it. Something happens to Howard and Spider-Man thinks that because blew him off, because Howard pisses everyone off. And because he blew off Howard, whatever happens to him, he thinks he's dead. Well, what he does is so dark, but hilarious. Spider-Man's there going like, no. And he has a mental breakdown, start going, no. But Uncle Ben, Uncle Ben. Then <laughs> <laughs> you see what I mean, though. That... When Howard comes back, he sees Spider-Man in the same spot who's built a shrine to him with yeah, candles yeah. lit everywhere and sleeping yeah. rough on the street. <laughs> he just walks past there. It's something else. It's something else. And, that, and that's what I think he does. That's a duplicity. So in the Howard the Duck, there hasn't been the tropes. And with that, you can just be hey, I'm poking fun at shit and putting out how ridiculous it is, and I'm getting paid. And that's exactly what he was doing with Star-Lord. Pulling apart the character that how can you be such a buffoon, but so accurately successful in being an intergalactic sex machine? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) And putting him in like everyday challenges that, that, yeah, you are this all-conquering, almost cosmic being, but yet you're struggling with the day-to-day stuff on Earth. Yeah. Look, with Daredevil, it went on too long, but I definitely think that is a, that's a trait of his writing. He's on the shoulder of it, looking yeah. down and pointing yeah. out I mean, that, how, it couldn't prob- like, how it couldn't work. It's funny, with Spider-Shadow, the years of reading Spider-Man, I don't read him anymore, but you know, I still love him. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's that. It's when your first love, right? And when I was reading that, like, my jaw was just on the floor. That's what I would have done years ago. Yeah. There'd yeah, be yeah. dead motherfuckers everywhere. Yeah. But the way that he does it, it's exactly like like you say. He, he deconstructs him, he breaks him down, and he puts you in that position. Perfect and wording, because I've, 
I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just had yeah. to pinpoint that that I've been putting it, and not intentionally negative, but yeah. that's the word. He deconstructs characters, yeah. Yeah. and he does that primarily before then he takes them on his own journey afterwards. Yeah. And again, yeah. you were right when you're saying it's a great plot device because it breaks down what they are, but it also characteristically breaks them down for him to then go from a ground zero, almost like a carte blanche after that that point yeah. to go forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly that, and he, nice he, does, he, he does that brilliant, brilliantly. What I also love about What If is that there's four stops. There's four stops. There's like there's no like oh well he he drops him off a bridge and then maybe he's no no with his bare hands killed the motherfucker yes. or nearly killed yes and, and you know and he's like what and who the A list character that he deads in the fight finale. I was just like. No one touches that character and kills him like that. It was just, my jaw was on the, like, what? Can I tell you what happened with him in Spider's Shadow? Well, actually, this is, this is indicative of C.B. Sobolski, how, mm. he, how he works. He likes it to be collaborative in the line. He likes it collaborative in, not so much collaborative, as in he likes to listen to what the creatives want. When C.B. Sobolski took over as whatever chief, whatever whatever of marvel <laughs> yeah within two days he sent an email out to all staff writers saying irrespective of what's ongoing what is your dream title to write wow. and i've always said that yeah. why it made a difference at the beginning is because rosenberg had always been a punisher fan kate's had always been a venom fan yeah and chip zadarsky said daredevil and Ch when charles Soule's run came to an end he put zadarsky onto it and that just shows listening to your creatives is mm. it, it's just it just works it just works because all those guys have had stories that they've probably been sitting on but not given the opportunity. Yeah. And it was the same thing with Chip Zdarsky when they, they invited him and said, Chip, we'd love you to do the new What If. And Chip said, said, look, guys, What If was always a shit title. Can you imagine Marvel Zombies? What if the Marvel Universe were zombies? It sounds shit. And this is one of my problems with the What If series. So he said... The problem with the televised one, the, the animation one, he said, the mm. problem with what if is that you're trying to tell a whole story for events that were impertinent in, in the Marvel Universe mm. and you're trying to strip five, six issues or two, three issues down to 20, 25 pages. Yeah. He said, it always felt reading them that it was, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this yeah. happened, and this yeah. happened, and this happened, and then the end. First of all, they can't be called what if. Second of all, it's got to be more than one issue. And yeah. third of all, it's not going to be Chip Zdarsky's What If. It's got to yeah. be writers coming to you with yeah. their own stories, yeah. and then we choose the ones we want to go forward with. Yeah. It wasn't until the second, oh shit, this is What If. Yeah, yeah. I like what they're doing. Every event, there'd be a What If, and it'll be a one-off. And you'd be like, okay, that story would have been better, but it was just one, it was just one issue. Yeah, you know, yeah. What If Inferno, What If Onslaught, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 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 what yeah, If yeah. Civil War. Yeah, Actually, and it's true. Like it you're was around about for fifty plus issues. Yeah, there's only one issue, but there was so many strands. You're like, oh my god, we we, we need to see this. It's kind of like yeah. DC's Dark Label. Yeah, yeah, Black Black Label. Yeah, yeah, Black Label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black Dark Label. <laughs> sounds like <laughs> that, a, that, that sounds like a Johnny Johnny Walker um, like yeah. vintage <laughs> from Johnny Walker. Dark Label. <laughs> or a 1980s credit card. <laughs> Uh, but everything else is darkly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not rich enough for a black card. 
<laughs> What's the answer? Dark Zero, four, two, three. We have the dark card. And don't worry about the interest rates. You can party <laughs> with champagne, cocaine, and hookers. <laughs> oh, no, dude, in the Rob Liefeld card. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that makes sense. I really love it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever else is coming from what if, because that was stunning. I don't know if he's on an exclusive contract. I feel like he has the freedom only a freelance writer could possibly have. Mm. if you know what i mean yeah well i signed up to his mailing list just before the Substack stuff kicked off yeah. and he's got loads of stuff coming he's still not finished with daredevil so he said the daredevil title is on pause after a giant size issue 36 because of the events of that book spiraled out of control he says marco and i need to deal with it before we can jump back onto the daredevil title will that be issue 37 or an all new issue number one I can honestly say I have no idea. All I can say is that we'll be continuing and have more story to tell after 36, especially leading to our big issue 38, which is legacy numbering issue number 650. But the great thing is, Substack aside, he's not leaving the work that he's doing right now. On the Substack thing, to just tie this off, he was the first creative that I've heard talk honestly about it. Mm. And he said, I've, I just have a few notes that I'm just going to read completely off the page. And he said, we're writers, we jump into things without thinking, we're stupid. They've not really thought of the vastness of running effectively their own punishes. And then he <laughs> joked to the interviewer, do you know anyone that can check emails for me? He said, it's also becoming increasingly competitive already. Donny Cates has 20 variants for one of his online issues, but he's not interested on that. He wants to focus yeah. on comics and not fueling speculators this was really fucking interesting actually the way that independent comics comics work yeah. the image the most upfront money you'll get is a two issue float as wow. an advance although for me we spoke i've spoke about this with tim in the previous one on season two and we spoke about it in season one i object to creatives saying that you don't get instant remuneration for independence because it isn't your first fucking comic mm. you've written another title two weeks ago that you're getting the delayed revenue from now so it's up to you to manage your releases correctly so you have a revenue stream if you can't cope with a two-month delay on one independent comic then you're not running your business correctly it's straightforward as fucking that if you're going into indie comics you are your own publisher within effect you are your own management team Anyway, the second thing is, and I don't think a lot of people know this, but Booming Skybound, for example, they keep your rights. So if you create a character for Boom or Skybound, it's the effectively of working with DC or, or Marvel. They keep wow. the, the intellectual property for anything that you create for those two publishers or sub-publishers. He was basically using that as an example that with this, they're, they're getting paid up front. And I actually think right. it's going to be five or six figures, like on the high end. Wow. Five end of high. I, that's what I think. It's going to be a lost leader. Yeah. It's like going past a pound shop when you get two for one Haribo for like a pound. <clears throat> they're put in the window, so you go in to buy Haribo, yeah. but, then, but then you see like better grass XXL or something like that. And you're thinking, <laughs> oh, my grass might need that. Do you know what I mean? So you go yeah. in. The Haribo at the back of the shop, so you have to walk past all the other shit, 100%. and then you end up yeah. coming out with twenty pounds of worth of pound shop stuff. 100%. So I just like the complete transparency that you spoke with. I don't know. It's it's good getting you know strike while the iron's hot, but I don't know 
how much longevity it is. And, and I remember I listened to your discussion and I, t- I absolutely agree with Tim's point is I can't keep up with my favorite characters, comics, creators yep, yep. right mm-hmm. now. So now you want to give me a sub stack. Like, I love you, bro, but when am I going to read the shit that you're putting out? And again, going back to what Tim said on the previous episode, what's the point in investing $7 a month to not knowing what you're getting when you can <laughs> wait six months and get it in hard copy anyway? Yeah. I think we've we've agreed wholeheartedly on Zdarsky. Yeah. We like yeah. him, don't we? We like him. We like I always called you Tim, Brian. We, we like him. He's one of the lads, isn't he? He, oh, he is... He's a top bird. (laughs) (laughs) So before we tie things off for the week, what have you been reading that hasn't been Chip Zdarsky? Oh, mate, I've just been drowning in in Chip for the week. But outside of that, I'm catching up. I'm behind on on X. I'm about to get into the Hellfire Gala stuff. I I thought, so uh, my story is, ladies and germs, is that, um, I, I was buying monthly. I was on top of everything, and then uh, our compatriot, uh, Mr. Packet Pocket, as you say in Canada, said, "Why are you doing that? You should be on Marvel Unlimited for X money. You read what the fuck you want. You just got to wait three months for it to drop." So, mm-hmm. what I lost out for that trade-off is that immediate frisson of being on X Twitter and you know, like banging yeah, yeah, up yeah. stuff. You know, being in the in, in the crowd. And some of the biggest events of happening, like this trial of Magneto is happening now. And I'm yeah, just like, what the fuck's going on? What the fuck's going on? So I've got to get through how that. Do you, how do you feel about them going? I mean, so far it's been pretty ingenuitive. But how do you feel that now it's going back to things like trial of Magneto? Like it's going back to Inferno. It just makes me yeah, exhale. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of... It's, it makes it's, me exhale. It's a wind-up, but I'm... Yeah. The, the other thing... So whilst... I'm pissed off about that. I'm happy that that way of X is kind of coming to an end. I don't think, I know what they're trying to do with the whole X thing, but I was thinking about it today and and just apropos of nothing that, why is it that they keep retconning Richard to not be a mutant? Like the motherfucker's a mutant. Stop pissing about. If two soups get together, have a child, they're going to have a mutant. End of. So yeah. it, there's this clear, definitive line in Marvel that mutants are handled by that and everyone else over here. To yeah. the point where even the juggernaut run, where the protagonist that he was working with was like, I'm not a mutant, not a mutant. Turns out she's a mutant. You know, so it's like, what are we doing in, in the DCEU? They're metas. Mm. And that's it. It could be a meta. It could be someone who's creating some shit in a lab. Who gives a shit? He's a criminal. And, and I've said this a number of times that after it, after the image mass exodus happened, they split the office into X Men and Avengers, wow. and there had to be written permission between one side of the Marvel office and the other to use each other's characters. And the answer would always be no, mm. because they were competing with each other. See, don't now, me... if if the answer was no, because we need to make sure that it's carrying through the narrative, because that's one of the things I hated about Marvel in in the nineties. The character would pop up. And something's going on, and you're like, hang on, but this has just happened, so it doesn't make sense. Editorial reason, but for competition? No, oh, man, get the fuck out of here. It was pure nervousness. They were, like, competing. They didn't want to give 
if they had like Wolverine pe- appearing in the Avengers, like they yeah. felt like it would give that pub- side of the publisher a one up. And it's quite ironic, really, that the thing that Image did that caused Image to implode was the fact that it did different publishing houses like McFarland, like with Lifefield, Top Cow, and all that kind of thing. Because artists like McFarland and Jim Lee were the, you know, the best, still the best at the time, that they were having almost apprenticeships with artists that would come in, and then you'd have useless cunts like Liefeld, a little bit with Larson and Valentino, where they'd poach them. Because it was so cash rich, they'd just simply pay their apprentices more and steal each other artists. Yeah. And that was the thing that created competition within Image. Mm. So the one thing that Image did badly was the one thing that Marvel adopted to to <laughs> compete with them and that was by splitting the office. It is ironic. Yeah. So you've been watching anything? What what you yes, been watching? All over what if um and and needed part party thought because it got a bit dark. And it, there isn't even a trope now about how many times um, they've killed Tony Stark <laughs> in every in episode. <laughs> that was fun. And I'm loving the fact that it's opening stuff up. I started Star Wars Visions. How uh, good is it? Yeah. And thankfully, I read I read a review that was just like, don't eat them all up at once because they were just blending to each other. So I'm just taking them in piecemeal. I think that's yeah. good advice. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just... Like I say, I use the word delectable. I just like to... Ooh, isn't that nice? It's <laughs> for later. Not, I'm not no, going to... No, no. I love uh, it. Like, Burn in my fucking belly. Yeah. What do I do now? No. <laughs> it's like, no, I've got a bit of this. Mm, I'll come back to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. Well, what I've been reading... What have I been reading? I think I've spoken about most of the things that I've hang been on, reading. Hang on, hang on. For continuity error, you're talking about what we were watching. I know, but we, what you've been reading... Oh, you started you know, with reading, it, and then you yeah. asked about watching. Yeah, what, right. you been, what you've been watching, what you've been reading. It's all, if it was true, it would be, what have you been watching or reading or listening <laughs> to in <laughs> the last seven way. days since we last did a podcast? But, you know, I yeah. hyphenate to what we've been reading. Yeah. So, I'm going to I'm gonna say, what have I been reading? My goodness, since two weeks ago, largely Chip Zdarsky, I think, mm-hmm. and that's about it. So yeah. we covered him. I'm going to give you two things that I've been watching. A little indie, I won't call it horror, more like a psychological horror thriller called Come True. Writer-director, so an auteur called Anthony Scott Burns. Um, there's a young girl that's fallen on bad times and mm-hmm. it's not really explored, which I like because it's unnecessary. But there's something yeah. going on in home where she's sleeping rough and she discovers this sleep study. So she gets paid $12 now and she also gets to sleep in a bed. The motivations behind the sleep study become clearly nefarious with ulterior motives. And some of the things that happen create tension and fear and impending sense of doom. Ooh. It's really clever. It's quite slow. It's like Possessor. That, um, I can't even say his name. <laughs> <laughs> reviewed on a per- on a previous podcast it's like possessor that uh <laughs> i can't i can't even it's a lot like possessor um which was a slow cerebral horror thriller that wasn't wasn't short of its dastardly gory moments but at the same time it was more about the concept and as an audience you know that this this isn't sustainable you know yeah. that what they're trying to do 
they are going to have the comeuppance, despite the fact that it's not an evil organization in this one like it was with Possessor. But it's just the, the, the exploration of what makes people people. The exploration of, of how do you find out what happens in somebody's mind. And sleep is almost like the, the final frontier of that. But you can just see it crumbling and crumbling and right. crumbling. And the way this sort of gets its tendrils into the characters outside of their sleep the titles come true you expect it to be right the dreams bleeding into day but it's not it's a lot more subtle it's so good and the ending this isn't a film that i was expecting this kind of ending oh mm. shit the second thing that i've been watching is the orville hey. now now the pilot did the series that i was expecting it to be a comedic and sardonic take on star trek after right. they made the pilot, what you realise, this is something that takes itself seriously but isn't afraid to add comedic twists. We have the best Star Trek that takes itself seriously, that commits to characters, that commits to neo-political issues, and it absolutely nails it. It does impressively sophisticated stories. In, but what I wasn't expecting was to be emotionally involved in every single episode, to have an opinion on how I wanted this episode to go. It poses a problem, and most of it is transferable to the modern age, and it's quite succinct and clever about it, that it might be a monster, a space monster, has laid an egg and it wants to change the sex of its child, but it, it presents it in a way where is our cultural norms what we should impress on other societies and and how accepting of irregularities to our cultural norms should we be and it's just so beautifully done it's so low tech and it looks like shit the uniforms are ill-fitted the cgi is terrible but what you have is a heartfelt very sophisticatedly written sci-fi Hello, it's me, it's Matt, and what's actually happened is we had a big technical fuck-up right at the end of the podcast, but thankfully we'd done everything that we needed to, but I just hadn't turned my phone off, and it just made a mess of things in, in the most heinous way, and also unforgivable way, is me, the producer, editor, presenter, host, <laughs> and casting director. So you'd think that maybe I'd get it right or maybe it's got too much of my fucking plate to turn my phone off. I'll leave it up to you. Anyway, this is usually the part of the podcast where me and my lovely co-host would say goodbye to you. So I'll say from Brian, goodbye. And I will say from myself, goodbye. And that, that only leaves me one thing to say. We have been, and this is, the end.